Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property, it's the location and neighborhood. Homes.com offers in-depth neighborhood guides with detailed video overviews, comprehensive narratives, and unbiased information from a multitude of sources. You thought we go in-depth with player analysis on fantasy baseball today? You haven't seen anything yet. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood complete with a video guide. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. When looking at local schools, they offer test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Oh, and first pitch, rushing! Deep left field! This is way back! Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where Here's Frank, Scott, and Chris. Hello there. Welcome in to Fantasy Baseball Today. Frank, Scott, and Chris here on Wednesday, January 24th. Today on the show, we're breaking down Scott's second base and shortstop tiers. Plus, we had James Paxton signed with the Dodgers and Aroldis Chapman signed with the Pirates. Plus, we had some interesting tidbits from the weekend that we did not get to on Monday's podcast. So, I do want to make sure that we have time for all of that, which means... We're going to jump right in. Uh, We will start with second base tiers, and we will begin with the top tier, Scott, which we mentioned on the previous episode, the first rounders. One name at second base. That's right, Mookie Betts, who also has outfield eligibility, and it's now back-to-back seasons with 35-plus homers, 117-plus runs, 12-plus steals. The NFBC ADP is five. Uh, You can... Quibble over the batting average, but it feels like Mookie Betts deserves to be a top five pick in both head-to-head points leagues and category leagues. I feel like you would agree, Scott. Yeah, I do agree. He is my number five in categories, leagues, and points. I think he's a little bit higher. What's interesting about this is, okay, so other than that random year where Trey Turner was second base eligible uh, because... He got traded to the Dodgers when they still had Corey Seager and retained second base eligibility into the next year. So other than that one year, you have to go back to Jose Altuve's prime, I think, to find a first round second baseman in fantasy. And now we get Mookie Betts there, who it it sounds like this year, like second base is just his position. I don't don't even know if he'll play enough outfield to, to be eligible there next year. But... For as long as we've waited for a first 
round second baseman, you probably shouldn't draft Mookie Betts to play second base because second base is, as we'll see, pretty deep. A lot to like here. I mean, every infield position is pretty deep. Outfield is very much not deep. And so, you know, versatility is nice. But if you are going to draft Mookie Betts in round one, the plan at that point in the draft should be, okay, this guy's going in my outfield. And that's true whether it's a three outfielder league or a five outfielder league. Something I've learned about outfield early on here in the process is that the elite, you know, more I guess more than the elite, but, you know, the top 24 or so, I feel pretty good about that at outfield. And then I really like late round options, right? It's mm-hmm. kind of the the middle of outfield that doesn't feel so good. Uh, so maybe you want to get three outfielders kind of early on. And then if you play in a five outfielder league, you can grab some upside names later. But we'll save that for the outfield episode. Let's continue on with second base. And uh, the next tier is the also elite tier. And it features three names, Jose Altuve, Ozzy Albies, and Marcus Semien. The aforementioned Altuve used to be a first round pick. He's just kind of settled in now as like a third, fourth round pick the past couple of years. He is going last of this trio once again. And Chris, you will get the first word here on Altuve. Still provides batting average, power, and speed. He averaged 3.9 fantasy points per game in head-to-head points leagues last year. That was second best at the position behind only Mookie Betts. The clear knock on him is that, or knocks, the uh, he's getting up there in age. He turns 34 in May. And he has missed 21% of his games due to injury dating back to 2018. Yeah, I mean, you look at the game logs and it's like last year was the first time it really cost him. And it wasn't entirely his fault. You know, the hit by pitch in the WBC Mm -hmm. obviously could happen to anybody. Yeah, before that, it had been like 20 to 35 games per year. I think the most he had missed was 38 in 2019, which... Obviously, that's not great, but if you're still getting 30 homers and you're still getting a 900 OPS bat and you're still getting that 300 average, I don't know if it makes too much sense to ding Jose Altuve too much for injury because, yeah, okay, he might miss a couple weeks. I don't necessarily know if I'd put the injury-prone tag on him yet, but I, I when you're talking about this range of the draft, okay, we're we're slicing thin anyway, so maybe you know move him below these other guys, but I think he belongs in that tier for sure. I want to point out for Jose Altuve, and I understand he might be a little better in points leagues because the strikeout rate is so low. He might be a little better in points leagues than in Roto, but you know, he contributes across four of the five categories in Roto, RBI being the exception. Mm-hmm. He contributes well. I am looking through it right now, and unless I'm overlooking somebody, uh, Jose Altuve had the fifth most points per game of any hitter last year. So far and away, the most at second base. Well, okay, obviously, Mookie Betts is one of the hitters, but we've already covered Mookie Betts is really more of an outfielder. Uh, Fifth best among hitters. You got Betts ahead of him, Freddie Freeman, not in order necessarily, Betts. Freddie Freeman, Matt Olson, Shohei Otani, uh, Ronald Acuna, of course. And then it looks like Jordan Alvarez is tied with Jose Altuve. So, look, I rank Jose Altuve second at the position. I think most 
people rank him more like fourth, right? Mm-hmm. They have him behind Albies and, and Simeon. So that's why I tier him with those guys. I mean, also because I couldn't make the justification to draft Jose Altuve in the first round and the tier above this one is the first rounders. But I, I, I tier him with Al- Albies and Simeon feeling pretty confident that if I'm waiting till the end of that tier, Altuve is going to be the one I get. And I feel great about that if that's the case. I think he really since the Astro sign stealing scandal, I feel like Altuve's consistently been one of the most underrated, undervalued players in fantasy. We we got some breaking news. Uh oh. Uh Reese Hoskins to the Brewers. Reese 34 million. Reese sorry Hoskins. to sorry to the Jake Bauer type. Oh man, you know, there was a rumor recently that uh Garrett Cooper was drawing some interest from the Milwaukee Brewers, and I have a few uh, deep league shares. Uh, all right, I'll give you guys the option. Do we talk about Reese Hoskins now or save it for the news and notes? Save it for news and notes. Okay, so that is exactly what we'll do. Let's continue on here with the second base tiers. The near elite includes eight names, so a pretty massive tier here. Nico Horner, Matt McClain, Hassan Kim, Cattell Marte, Bryson Stott, Zach Geloff, Glaber Torres, and Andres Jimenez, who is one tier lower in a head-to-head points league. And why is that the case? Well, he hit 15 home runs with 30 steals, which is obviously very useful, more so, I think, in a categories league. 5.2% walk rate, 2.7 fantasy points per game. Not ideal for that format. So again, Jimenez is a name that drops down in a head-to-head points league out of the near elite tier. Scott, Cattell Marte is someone who uh, stands out from this group as the only one who won't offer double-digit steals. But he's still a fine player. He produced a top 60 overall season in Roto. He averaged 3.3 fantasy points per game, which was eighth best at second base. So he belongs to in this tier, but he just has, a, I guess, a slightly different skill set from everyone else in this tier. Yeah, he stands out in that way. But this is a diverse group of players in terms of what you can expect them to deliver. So it's... It's a difficult tier to work with. It, I, I do think in terms of just overall output, they all belong in the same tier, obviously. That's why I set it up this way. But you've got a no-steal guy in Cattell Marte. You've got a no-power guy in Nico Horner. You've got um, a couple of all-around upside guys who only did it over half a season in Matt McClain and Zach Geloff. So there's a little more reason for skepticism with them. You have kind of a... A low power output, but not as bad as Nico Horner and still good stolen bases, but not as good batting average as Nico Horner. A couple of those guys in Bryce, Bryson Stott and Hassan Kim. Uh, Glaber Torres is sort of like Cattell Marte, and he's pretty much just power. There, there's a little more speed there with Glaber Torres, but not a, not a significant amount. And then, you know, Andres Jimenez, I, I guess he's closer to the Bryson Stott, Hassan Kim. Mm-hmm. Uh, category, but certainly wasn't as good as them last year. Now, now the thing that, that stands out among this group, if you're drafting based on tiers, at least, Scott should have a lot of Zach Geloff. I, I have. Because he yeah. is, you look at ADP, I'll, I'm not looking at it since January 1st, which is typically how we do it at this point, but overall on NFC, yeah, since January 1st, 
Nico Horner is 57.4. Matt McLean is 59.1. Now, yeah. I understand the gap between Zach Geloff and Matt McLean in their price to a certain extent because Matt McLean was a, a more well-regarded prospect of the two, but I think that gap is probably too big. Well, clearly I feel the same way. And as as I've mentioned a few times, I come out with my rankings before there's really even any ADP data available. So that was one of the things that caught me by surprise, especially since it feels like throughout the second half last season, I was fighting people on Zach Geloff, <laughs> me being on the low side. Yeah. And suddenly a new year comes and nobody likes Zach Geloff. And uh, funny how that happens. And like McLean is in the better situation in terms of it's a much better home park. It's a much better lineup, mm-hmm. but it's, not inconceivable that Matt McLean could have a stretch where he's just, he struggles and gets sent down or finds himself struggling for playing time. It's a lot harder to see that for Zach Galloff. The strikeout rate was bad for McLean. Mm -hmm. 29%. It got worse. It it got worse the longer he was up. So you wonder if he had, if his season hadn't ended in, in, in August, you wonder how that would have, turned out if if the batting average would have dropped to like the 260 range it finished at 290 i think it probably would have i think mclean's probably more like a 260 hitter in which case he looks that much more like zach geloff mm-hmm. so XBA, I, xba for both of them right in the 250 255 range so i think this is it's an interesting tier because i could see you playing needs more in a, in a roto draft, especially and singling out different players in this tier rather than just, just waiting till the very last one. I already broke that down, but it's also interesting because it spans such a large stretch of the draft that it really affords you the opportunity to wait, which is kind of the whole idea behind the tiers approach is okay. Matt McLean is going this far ahead of Zach Geloff, but practically speaking, is he going to be that much more valuable? no, so you could afford to wait at second base and instead direct your focus to positions where the drop-off in talent is much clearer. It's kind of interesting. Like there, there are eight players in this range. Yeah, in this tier. They kind of all have a an expensive versus cheap one, right? Like Nico yeah. Horner, 57.4, Bryson Stott, 105.2, Matt McClain, 59.1. Zach Galloff, 129.6. Hassan Kim, Andres Menez, 81.9. Like, and then Cattell Marte is just kind of his own thing. And I think he's the best hitter of this group. It's just mm-hmm. the, the lack of stolen bases. And obviously the, the, the injury history makes it harder to, to jump on him. But like it, it just in terms of pure hitting ability, I think he, he laps the field in this group. There have been a couple times already in mock drafts where my pick is up and I'm really gravitating toward Matt McClain uh, because I do like the upside. I do like what he showed as a rookie last year. But then I see all these second basemen out there who could do similar things Mm -hmm. and I know are going to be available much longer. And so I go a different direction. And I have yet to regret that, but... You know, it, it it does drafting this way does pretty much guarantee I'm not getting Matt McLean or Nico mm-hmm. Horner. Uh, and so you have to be okay with like that's your favorite sleeper or breakout candidate or just somebody you have to have 
then um, I can't imagine tearing him with the group ahead here, like Marcus Simeon and, and mm-hmm. Ozzy Albies, but you're probably just not following the tiers approach if you're doing that. One other thing I want to bring up about this very large tier, because I, you know, tiers kind of like rankings. I'm, I'm constantly massaging them throughout draft prep season, and I don't feel like it's ever perfect. And things are going to change. That's why different versions come out over the course of draft prep season. You look at this near elite tier, and you know, I, I talked on the last podcast how I like my tiers to line up between positions. So if a player's in, in the near elite tier at second base and he's dual eligible at third base, I want him in the near elite tier at third base. But the names in the near elite tier here, Nico Horner, Matt McLean, Hassan Kim, Cattell Marte, Bryson Stott, Zach Geloff, Glaber Torres, Andres Jimenez... Compare that to the players in the near in the near elite tier at third base. Manny Machado, Ellie De La Cruz, Nolan Arenado, Royce Lewis, Hassan Kim. So Hassan Kim is near the front of the near elite tier at second base. He's near the back of the near elite tier yeah. at third base. <clears throat> and I don't know about you. I prefer that third base group a lot more. Right. So there's a lot, there's a lot of risk. In this group. I'm wondering if I need to... I, I'm wondering what I need to do about you that. You need another if, tier. Is Well, do or do I need to skip a tier? As Maybe. we get deeper into second base, you'll see what I'm talking about. Yeah. But I, I wonder if there's not really a near elite tier at second base, unless I'm just going to put Nico Horner and Matt McClain in it, which I'm not terribly inclined to do, because mm-hmm. that then I'm eliminating a lot of the ability to wait there that that I've enjoyed to this point. I'm wondering if I just need to skip that near elite tier at second base. Uh, that's where I'd go. Yeah. Those are all fair questions. I, I did. <laughs> you guys talked about a lot of players at a lot of different points throughout that time. But uh, one thing I did want to point out the difference between Matt McClain and Zach Eloff. And this doesn't explain why they have a 70 point difference in ADP because that, that probably shouldn't be the case, but Zach Geloff's underlying plate discipline is a lot scarier for whatever that's worth. Uh, 16% swinging strike rate, that's compared to 10.5% for Matt McClain. 75% zone contact for Zach Geloff, that's 85% for Matt McClain. So those are two pretty distinct differences, which I think lower the floor quite a bit for Zach Geloff. Uh, but again, I, I don't know that it explains the 70-pick difference between the two. The, yeah, I think McClain kind of, sorry, kind of toes that passive versus patient line a little bit. If I remember correctly... He had really, really low swing rates on both in zone and out of zone pitches. Yeah, and it was weird because it was Matt McLean walked a lot in the minors, but didn't really walk too much in the majors too. So I think there will be an adjustment for him. I don't know if it's just he'll be more aggressive overall, or maybe you know some of that passivity will turn into walks mm-hmm. for Matt McLean. But but something will probably change for him. The next best things tier features five names: Luis Arise, Nolan Gorman. Jonathan India, Tommy Edmond, Brandon Lau. <laughs> like the previous tier, I mean, all different kinds of skill sets that you're looking for. Luis Arise, we know, mostly batting average, not much else. Gorman and Brandon Lau, when healthy, premier power at the position. Jonathan India and Tommy Edmond kind of offering a little bit of power and speed within this tier as well. Luis Arise, so unique because he technically finished 86th overall in categories leagues last year. But it was so front-loaded by batting average. He was the single biggest batting average contributor in fantasy baseball last year. 
but was barely a positive contributor in any other category. Not, not even barely. If you look at the Fangraphs auction calculator, Luis Arias was worth $15.5 last season based on his actual performance. He was worth $15.5. $17.6 of that 15.5 came from batting average. <laughs> yeah. If you, you can do yeah. the math there and... Uh, yep. Yeah, he, he, he's a sub-replacement level fantasy player in four categories. And then he is far and away, because he never walks either. So he, he gets that massive at-bat number that also helps your batting average. One of the hardest players to figure out how to value. And it's completely team dependent, I think. And there is a way to value him where if you draft some early round hitters that you know kind of slack off in batting average... And Adolis Garcia mm-hmm. comes to mind, Kyle Schwarber, uh, maybe even a Matt McClain, who, you know, we're, I guess the jury is still out on, on what he'll do in, with batting average. Luis Arise can kind of fit a team mold mm-hmm. like that, but in a category, like, I think it has to be very specific where you're going to get him. Here's what I think you don't do with Luis Arise, though. You don't draft him like he's going to hit 354. Yes. Yeah. So he's, he's won the, a, a batting title back-to-back years. This last year, 354. The year before was 316. And he entered last year a career th- 314 hitter. So mathematically speaking, 354 is an outlier. It's, it's very hard. for the, the math works out in such a way that it's, it's very hard for a hitter to do that. In fact, we, we almost never see it in the modern game. And maybe the shift ban makes it a little more possible, but I think more realistically, 315, 320 is what you're looking at for a rise, which still makes him a standout in the category, but if not superhuman, you know. Yeah, we already we already saw it last year. You know, in the second half, he hit 314. Yeah. And you know, I, I remember getting some flack in my rankings when I had him outside of the top 12 at the midway point of the season. It was, well, he's hitting 380. And it's like, yeah, but he's hitting 380 to just barely sneak into the top 12 at yeah. second base, right? Like that, that's the thing is that it's not, it's not that Luis Arias isn't valuable when he's hitting 370 or whatever it is. It's that when he's hitting 320, which is what I think the ATC projections have him for three, 319. He comes out as like barely a top 10 option there. And it's only because of his batting average. And mm-hmm. even if you look at a rise and you think, all right, his skill set lends itself to a points league. He averaged three fantasy points per game on the nose, yeah. which was tied for 13th at the mm-hmm. position, which again is solid, but not necessarily a standout. So proceed and with caution. It's, it's going to be worse if he doesn't hit 354. Yeah, exactly right. Let's take our first break. When we return, I do have some pushback on uh, where Scott has ranked Tyro Estrada. We'll do that right after this. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. 
The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together. And nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome back in. We continue on with second base tiers. The next one is the fallback options or option. Just one name, Tyro Estrada. And I mentioned before the break, I do have some pushback here for you, Scotty, because last year I was definitely skeptical. I had Estrada written up as a bust. And what did he do? He came back. Basically had the same season as he did in 2022, but did it in even less games. So he hit 271, 14 homers, 23 steals in 120 games, has hit 260 or better, exactly 14 home runs, 21 plus steals, two years in a row. The StatCast data is bad. I realize that. But he kind of has this Isak Paredes thing going on where <laughs> all of his home runs went to the pull side. They're left field or left center. So... While we can't really explain the power using those metrics, I think you know him pulling the ball as much as he does kind of explains that. And so I kind of feel like he should be in a similar tier as Tommy Edmond, maybe even a similar tier as someone like Andres Jimenez. I don't know that there's a huge difference. I, I you could sell me on Edmond a lot more than than uh, Andres Jimenez because I think the batting average gap in the best case scenario for those three players, I, I think it's. I think it's significant. I think Andres Jimenez has a lot more batting average potential than the other two. And I think his if, if you look at what Andres Jimenez did in stolen bases down the stretch, it seemed like he really figured out how to take advantage of those new rules. And I think there's a lot more stolen base ceiling there for him uh, than for Estrada especially. You know, they're, they're, they're a similar type of player, those three. Uh, I, I think... I have them in separate tiers reflects is a reflection of their upside relative to each other more than anything else. But here's what I want to say. And this is, you know, when I was saying earlier about what do I do about the tiers at second base? Cause it seems like the near elite tier isn't as strong as at third base. Um, maybe I should just skip the near elite tier. Part of that was because I saw Ty- Tyro Estrada there in all alone in the fallback options. And I'm like, well, is he really that much better than Tommy Edmond or, Nolan Gorman or Jonathan Indiard, any of those guys I have in the tier ahead of them. So, so what I'm thinking here is maybe I skip the near elite tier at second base, bump the the Nico Horner, Zach Geloff tier down to the next best things, bump that Luisa Rise, Nolan Gorman tier down to the fallback options here with Thyro Estrada. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And maybe that's the fix. To do another comparison between two positions, that next best things tier where you got Luis Arise, Nolan Gorman, Jonathan India, Tommy Edmond, Brandon Lau, that same tier at first base is Christian Walker, Tristan Casas, Spencer's tier, Spencer Torkelson, Yandy Diaz, Vinny. Much better, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. That's got to be the fix. That's got to be the fix. Either, yeah, I'm, I mean, I don't like the idea of skipping the near elite at second base because it makes it feel like there's a bigger gap at that position, then you're going to see an actual drafts because Nico Horner and Matt McClain go pretty early. But maybe it's just that Nico Horner and Matt McClain are overvalued because I don't yeah. think they are significantly better than 
yep. Zach Geloff and Bryson Stott. McLean's on my bus list, which I think is coming out next week. <laughs> Chris has his writing all over I mean, the place. I wrote them. I wrote wrote them three weeks ago, so I have no idea. It's coming out at some point. The last resorts tier at second base: ten names: Ryan McMahon, Edward Julian, Jorge Polanco, Brandon Drury, Davis Schneider, Whit Merrifield, Jeff McNeil, Gavin Lux, Brendan Donovan, Jordan Westberg. Chris, a name in this tier of ten that intrigues you most? Maybe even one that can graduate from this tier this time next year. Well, I'll go with the guy who was on my sleepers list, and that's Gavin Lux, who, like, I, I've been pretty skeptical of Gavin Lux, even going back to his his prospect days, because he's just never shown the ability to hit lefties outside of, like, it was basically like a month and a half stretch in, in AAA, I think, where he hit lefties well. But other than that, he hasn't shown that ability. But, like, you look at the the underlying data for for Gavin Lux, and what, what you've got is a premium athlete, who has shown some pop and some contact skills, not necessarily as much as we've hoped for. And then obviously last season, the the torn ACL in spring training, he didn't get a chance to play, but he was someone who like Mookie Betts, the, the Dodgers sent him to driveline. He reworked his swing. He was working on getting more bat speed. I think the report was he was generating six miles per hour, more bat speed than he had the previous year. We know he's a talented guy. We know that the play discipline has been pretty good. We know he's a good athlete. It's just a question of getting more out of the bat. We didn't get to see it last year. Now he's got this, this massive drop in price. I think he's like outside of the top 250 in ADP right now. So Gavin Lux is, is definitely someone in this group that I'll be targeting. Gavin Lux's ADP since January 1st is 268. And, uh, that's the, the twenty. Problem with that is Brandon Lau is 262. And uh, I like him, as Scott does, quite a bit more. Scott? Scott, you, you are muted. You are Brandon muted, Lau, <laughs> Brandon Lau went undrafted in our latest Roto Mock. Granted, it was just starting lineups. Not, not, uh, benches not included. But like that, that should not happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, his... He missed some time with injury, but he still managed to hit how many home runs? Like 23? Something like that. Even during an injury shortened season. So I don't, I don't know why he's being so overlooked. I think in 21 N- home runs. I think in NFBC drafts, it's because he doesn't provide any speed. And they're mostly deeper leagues where you need playing time. And Brandon Lau just hasn't been able to stay on the field. And there's no, there's no IL spots. He's missed 150 games over the past two years with recurring back injuries. So mm-hmm. in deeper yeah, leagues, well. I could see why maybe you would pass on a player like that look playing without il spots is dumb that's that's first of all if you're if you're listening out there don't do it he stole seven bases in 109 games he was taking advantage of the new rules he you know he could give you a dozen steals it's not impossible the final tier the leftovers nine names luis renjifo brendan rogers jake cronenworth michael massey geraldo perdomo ahmed rosario luis garcia bryce tarang and Jose Caballero, you guys don't get a single thing to say about this tier because we got to keep things moving. A couple things I wanted to promo before we get to the news and notes. FBT is a finalist for the best baseball podcast category in the Sports Podcast Awards, and this is the final week to vote. Thanks to all of our listeners, we actually won the award last year. Now we're looking to go back to back. To help us bring home the hardware, you can find the link in the podcast and YouTube descriptions or scan the QR code in the top right of the screen. Chris is... uh, 
helping out with the with the point there. Uh, the whole process should take less than a minute, and we'd really appreciate it. Thank you for your continued support. Next up, mailbag pods are starting up next week, and we have a new segment we're going to introduce a prospect spotlight. So if you have a top prospect you'd like us to evaluate, leave a five-star rating on Apple and drop a prospect's name in the review. We'll choose one player to highlight in our future mailbags. Lastly, our buddy Nick Pollock from Pitcher List has his annual PitchCon event starting today when you're listening, Wednesday, January 24th. It's basically a five-day live stream not literally, obviously there are some breaks in there, but uh, live streaming for five days straight, the best baseball and fantasy baseball minds out there, raising money for the Sean M. Healy and AMG Center for MLS, uh, for ALS, excuse me. So I would say follow along, some great work there, donate, going to a great cause there with ALS. I will be on Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern time talking sleepers and bust at starting pitcher. Chris will be on Thursday, 4 p.m. Eastern time grading Teams off-season moves, and Chris is also on Wednesday night, 9 p.m. Eastern time, talking. Well, that's me. I'm, I'm Wednesday night at 9 p.m. My brain is a smush. Scott is on Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern time, talking starting pitcher ADP battles. You can watch live at playback.tv slash pitcherlist or at pitcherlist.com slash pitchcon. All right, the news and notes. Well, we got the breaking news earlier in the podcast. Reese Hoskins and the Milwaukee Brewers are finalizing a two-year, $34 million contract with an opt-out after the first season. Reese Hoskins did not play last year due to a torn ACL. Wasn't any type of arm-related anything. ACL should be back, ready to go, spring training, all good. If we look at Milwaukee's ballpark, over the past three years, they're 24th in general offensive park factor. If you look at home runs, they are eighth in park factor, which sounds like it's something that should bode well for one Reese Hoskins. Chris, you will get the first word here. It's, I think, an okay lineup. He's projected to back cleanup, mm-hmm. and it's a pretty damn good ballpark for home runs. So how do you feel about Reese Hoskins to the Brewers? It's a downgrade from, you know, the Phillies in terms of both the lineup and the ballpark, I think, but you know, we weren't necessarily expecting him to be back with the Phillies this year. Anyway, we know what Reese Hoskins is. He's not quite Chris Davis with a K, uh, but you look at the the last five years of batting average, 246, 226. All right, that was bad. 245, 247, 246. You're going to get around 30 homers. You're going to get a decent number of runs in RBI because he gets on base. He's going to be a drag on your batting average. But hey, that's why Luis Arias exists, right? Yeah, I think that's fair. And yeah. I think in a points league, Reese Hoskins should also excel a little bit more. Obviously has walked a ton throughout his career. Uh, Scott, any initial takeaways here? Reese Hoskins joining the Brewers. Sorry to those who uh, were in on Jake Bowers. Yeah, I, I mean, American Family Field, that's what it's called now, right? Uh, such, yeah. a, has been such a bad a name compared to Miller Park. Come on. It, 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 well, Just yeah. like, does Bernie slide into like a pile of insurance papers now or something it's a great place to hit but it's it it's lighting is you like it can create shadows with that retractable roof that sometimes players have a difficult time with and and so i i think that's sometimes why players go there and don't see the boon that we expect them to to have based on 
a nine-game sample of Reese Hoskins at American Family Field. Five home runs. Five home runs in nine games. I think he's going to be fine there. Fair enough. All right, let's move on to the other moves here. The Big Maple goes Hollywood. James Paxton and the Dodgers are in agreement on a one-year, $11 million deal. Paxton has not been able to stay healthy. 96 innings pitched last year. Those were his most since 2019. But he was pretty damn good with the Red Sox. His first 16 starts, a 334 ERA, 114 whip, over a strikeout per inning. He averaged 95.4 miles per hour on the fastball, then imploded over his final three starts, a 14.9 ERA, 290 whip, more walks and strikeouts. And the fastball velocity was down uh, one mile per hour to 94.4 miles per hour. Uh, Scott, any interest here in James Paxton to the Dodgers? And does it throw some cold water on Emmett Sheehan? There, there's more competition now. We have heard already that the Dodgers plan to go six-man this year. And understandably, given that, okay, they've got Yoshinobu Yamamoto. That's fine, we think. Although, he's, terms- never pitched, he's never pitched every fifth day. Yeah, you know, okay. Rotations work differently in, in Japan generally. Fair, and it, if, if the Dodgers follow through on this plan of a six-man rotation, he won't have to now either. So, in theory, he's fine in terms of durability. But you got Tyler Glass now, definitely not. Walker Bueller coming back from his second Tommy John surgery. Um, Bobby Miller, who himself is a young pitcher and hasn't taken on a true major league starter's workload yet. So, there are going to be openings throughout the season in this rotation, one would think even if they are going six-man. And if they are going six-man from the get-go, there's still an opening for him at Sheehan. So I, I do like him as a sleeper this year. I know you have him as a breakout, Frank. Yeah. Uh, you could define him either way, I guess. Um, and, and that doesn't really change for me, even though, obviously, there, there's more competition now. As for Paxton himself, I mean, you could make the case he's a sleeper, too, for the first, what, through the All-Star break last year? Yeah, through the end of June. For, were phenomenal. Uh, he, he got the velocity back on his fastball and was getting tons of strike. What do somebody have the actual numbers here? I, I went for 16 starts, but there are all okay. different kinds of start and end points with Paxton. However, you want to break it up. So what happened? Okay, so that I'll I'll pull up the game log here and okay, so through July. Eighth, his first 10 starts, he had a 273 ERA, 64 strikeouts of 56 innings, a 14% swinging strike rate, which is elite. And uh, was basically a must-start pitcher in fantasy. He he started dealing with a knee injury then mm-hmm. that he kept pitching through. It didn't put him on the IL until end of September. August. Yeah. Um, and his velocity dropped while pitching through that knee issue. He went from averaging 96 on the fastball to like 94 and a half and got knocked around a bit. So, yeah, I, I think it's reasonable to assume the knee injury had something to do with that. Now, I mean, James Paxton's no model of health either. He's 35 years old now. You can't count on him to take on a big starter's workload, but he's also going to be part of that six-man rotation. And so as long as you're not too invested in him and just you're treating him, you're 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 assessing him on a start-to-start basis as opposed to making him a, a focal point of your pitching staff, I, I think he could be a pretty good late-round investment, especially with the Dodgers offense backing him. We should probably address the goat in the room, right? The goat? 
they're going to re-sign Clayton Kershaw. He's oh, not going to pitch until likely <laughs> likely to the second half of the season. But oh, James Paxton won't make it that long. Come on. Chris. Well, that's that's <laughs> the thing about all of this is like, oh, the Dodgers are going to have a six man rotation, really, with James Paxton and Tyler Glass now and Walker. Like, they're not, or they're going to have different six people in the rotation right. by May or June. Like that, Gavin Stone's going to work his way yeah, in. There, Kyle Hurt's going to work his way in. There are going to be plenty of opportunities for Emma Sheehan and, and everyone else because the, the Dodgers plan, I, I think it's pretty clear at this point, is just hope that Yamamoto, Glasnow, and, and Bueller are healthy by October, <laughs> and they're probably going to... Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That cough just came out. There was no stopping it. Oh, geez. Uh, James Paxson's ADP, by the way, I did want to mention, it's uh, 363 in yeah, the month of January. So. He's a perfectly fine late round dark throw. Uh, my guess is that will climb for some reason. Uh, players who are free yeah. agents just go really mm-hmm. low in drafts. Like Eventually, they're going to sign. Um, my guess is it could get as high as a round pick 300. You see other pitchers there like Lance mm-hmm. Lynn and Luis Severino. That kind of feels like the right range for for James Paxson. Yeah, you will see something similar with Hoskins, who's at 208 by now, but I I think he'll move up into like the Isak Paredes range probably makes sense, 175. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to get to this, at least this last piece of news uh, before we talk shortstops. Bit of a surprise, Aroldis Chapman signed a one-year $10.5 million deal with the Pirates, and if you look at the adjusted salaries on... Chris, you would know. Is it Spot Track or Spotrack, the website? Spot Track, I believe. Spot Track? Okay. Because I never know how to pronounce it. I never heard anyone else say it. Uh, Spot Track. Chapman will be the highest paid player by the Pirates this season, which kind of took me by surprise. Uh, he turns 36 in February, but he could still pump it. He averaged 99 miles per hour on his fastball last year, his highest since 2017. Walks remain a huge problem, but it was a big bounce back season for Aroldis Chapman. Chris, the question's here. Does Chapman affect David Bednar's value at all? Because no. I, you know, the money is just kind of interesting to me. Or do, like, you know, is this no, just, we, uh, we, they, we saw this last year. It's it's a repeat of last year. He signed with a bad team because nobody wants to give him a closer job. This time he got a bunch more money. I think last year he signed for like three million. This is just the the pirates hope that they get two or three good months out of him and then trade him to a contender. I, 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 yeah, I can't imagine that they have any... If David Bednar gets hurt, great. We have the obvious guy to step up in Pittsburgh now in, in a way that we probably didn't before. Unless that happens, I, I don't think Aroldis Chapman is likely to matter for fantasy at all. All right. Well, at the top of the show, I said we were going to get to all those other interesting tidbits They'll have to wait another day. Let's take our final break when we return. Shortstop Tears here on Fantasy Baseball Today. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. 
Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. All right, shortstop tiers. Here we go. The first rounders includes three names, Bobby Witt, Trey Turner, and Corey Seager. Two questions on Seager coming your way, Scotty. Does he jump to the front of this tier in a head-to-head points league? And how much do you worry about the injuries with Corey Seager? has only played 150-plus games once in his last six full seasons. Yes, he jumps to the front in head-to-head points leagues. In fact, Corey Seager is my sixth overall player in head-to-head points leagues. And by the way, you asked me about Mookie Betts earlier. He's my second overall player in head-to-head points leagues. Um, Seager was one of those I mentioned, one of the few I mentioned with more head-to-head points per game than Jose Altuve last year. Or if I didn't mention him, I should have because he was one of them. Okay, so the other question, do I worry about health with Corey Seager? Not really. Not really. Um, And correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of his injuries have been, well, there was Tommy John surgery one year. I think there was uh, a, a hip surgery. A hip surgery, yeah. The one thing I'll point out with the injuries is it was a hamstring last year. That is something that has lingered for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and that's not great, but I don't know. Well, it's yeah. worth noting, he's only been on the IL three times in the last four seasons. There you go. It was a hamstring last year for 35 days. He had the hand injury last year. Uh and then he had a nether. I think he got hit by a pitch in 2021, if I'm remembering correctly, right? I don't remember off the top of my head. He did stay <laughs> healthy for 151 games. Corey Seager did in 2022. Yeah, he got hit by a pitch in May of 2021 and, and broke his hand. My injury database is down right now. Come back, pro sports transactions. <laughs> yeah, that's You're what my I only hope. That's what I usually use as well, Scott. So uh, we are in the same boat. Let's move on. To the also elite tier, which features two names, Francisco Lindor and Gunnar Henderson. Gunnar finished his age 22 season batting 255 with 28 homers, 100 runs scored, and 10 steals after an awful first two months. Does come with some splits concerns. We didn't talk about this the other day, Scott, but Gunnar Henderson in his career versus lefties, 193 plate appearances, batting 199 with a 595 OPS, 69 WRC plus, not nice. I asked Scott this question the other day. So, Chris, I'll ask you the same. Does Gunnar Henderson deserve to be in the also elite tier? 
I think this is probably the right tier. I, I would say that, that there's probably one name that I would also include in this tier who's not here uh, from the lower tier. But yeah, I, I think Gunnar Henderson belongs here. What he's shown, the, the, the split concerns are legitimate. And that's not super surprising for a young left-handed batter. The hope is that it improves. But you look at last season, expected WOBA and actual WOBA against left-handed pitching was sub 300. I think it was like 280 something. Um, that's pretty bad. And so that that's the key is, can he be a low 700s OPS bat against lefties? Just plain not that good. Well, then actually there there's room for him to grow even, but the, the underlying numbers are all very, very good. He hits the ball hard. He was hitting the ball hard, even when things weren't going good. So, I, I do think Gunnar Henderson might even have room to grow in terms of the stolen bases. And it's not impossible for a young lefty to improve. If I am remembering correctly, yeah, Rafael Devers started off mm-hmm. his career pretty bad against lefties, and he's kind of grown to be adequate. He holds his own. He's like a seven. And that's all you need. Yeah. You know, lefties tend to have bigger split issues than right-handed pitchers. You see more lefty, or you see more righties, so it makes sense. Um, but yeah, he just he has to get to the point where he's just pretty good or pretty bad against lefties and and there's room for him to grow even from there. Yeah, you look at Devers, uh, his first full season in uh, 2018, he hit 229 with a 619 OPS against lefties and then by the very next season in 2019, he's an everyday player at this point, uh, he hit 269 with a 744. I mean, yep. that's exactly... That's exactly the growth that we would be looking for from Gunnar Henderson. And the other thing you have to remember is we're dealing with very small sample sizes. Gunnar Henderson probably has, what, 190-something plate appearances against lefties in his career, maybe 250? 193. Yeah. So like that's, that's way too small a sample size to draw any conclusions on, even if I assume it's probably directionally true that he is going to struggle against lefties. The near elite tier features eight names. Bo Bichette, Ellie De La Cruz, CJ Abrams, Nico Horner, O'Neill Cruz, Matt McClain, Ha Sung Kim, Xander Bogart. So we do get one, two, three names here that are also in the second base tiers. Horner, McClain, Ha Sung Kim, Ellie De La Cruz. We spoke about a little bit the other day at third base tiers, in third base tiers as well. But Scott, this is a tier that spans rounds two, through 10, if you're looking at ADP. Wow. Uh, Bichette is like on the, the cusp of like rounds two and three. But did you consider Bichette being one tier higher and maybe someone like Bogarts being one tier lower? Well, this is a mess. This is a mess <laughs> because, you know, we just talked about at second base. Okay, I'm not going to have Nico Horner and Matt McClain in the near elite tier anymore. Well, I have to extract them from the near elite tier at shortstop too. And meanwhile, you have, uh, when we talked about third base, we talked about maybe me moving Ellie De La Cruz up to the also elite, which I could do. So this tier could go from very big to very small with a couple of adjustments. And I don't know that in the long run, when we look at Fantasy Pros ADP, which combines, combines all the ADP sources, I'm, I, I'm pretty doubtful about Ellie De La Cruz coming out as a second rounder when we do that. I think he's very high in NFBC ADP, but I don't think... I mean, I'm looking at it now. Yahoo has him 54th in early ADP. 
I think CBS has them even lower than that. I think they're probably pulling from our points league ADP mm-hmm. data is my guess. Um, but the point is, I, I think in the long run, Ellie De La Cruz might come out into the 40-50 range when you combine the ADP from all the different ADP sources. So, um, And yeah, understandably, there's going to be a wide range of thought on him given the risk-reward profile. Uh, I come out a little more cautiously, I think, than others do. I don't have him higher than round four, I don't think, even in Roto Leagues. But I could still understand p- tiering him with Francisco Lindor and Gunnar Henderson in the also elite with the caveat that I'd only do that in Roto Leagues and not Points Leagues. I don't know. These these middle tiers in the infield positions, I, I think I think I'm I'm it's already back to the drawing board for them because there's some stuff that needs to be sorted out here. And the fact there are so many multiple in Eligible, multiple eligible players complicates things further. Chris, who well, is... Well, let, let me ask you this. Bo Bichette belongs in a tier distinct from Francisco Lindor and Gunnar Henderson, right? I think so. Scott, you and I have had... I, I don't. I, I think I have him... I have Bo Bichette ranked with those guys. Is that the name you were referring to, Chris? Yes. Gotcha. I thought he was referring to Ellie De La Cruz. No, I mean, I have him ranked there, but I, I I think it's probably okay if you want to push him down. It's certainly a, a risk-reward thing. So I kind of feel like Bo Bichette, now that we can't, two-year trend now of us not being able to call him a base dealer, really. Yes. I think he's more Xander Bogarts than not. I think Xander the quality Bogarts of contact's is a, a lot better. Like, okay, I, I think last year... Like expected output. Uh, I, I would say I think Bo Bichette's ceiling is closer to 30 homers, and I think Xander Bogart's ceiling is closer to 20. Um, but I, like, I actually think Xander Bogart's is kind of a decent value right now. In a like, th- They're not dissimilar in that I'm not sure you can necessarily project Xander Bogart's or Bo Bichette to be a standout in more than one or two categories, but I think they'll both help you pretty much everywhere. You know, I think Bo Bichette's a, a more obvious helper in batting average. And I think the, the overall production will be quite a bit better, but like I actually think Xander Bogarts is a pretty decent value at like 110 or whatever his ADP is this year. Yeah. Bo Bichette is one. And that- Xander's working at driveline this year. Oh, I, that's, I just looked it up because I, I thought I had seen something about that earlier in the off season, but I'm just saying could, could get a bounce back year. If we apply that, that, Narrative to guys. Does driveline do a uh, reconstructive wrist surgery, Chris? Because uh, they've got <laughs> a lot of cool tools there. Maybe because Xander Bogarts, wrist was a problem last year. I, yeah. I think he had two cortisone shots. So mm-hmm. hopefully he shows up healthy. So I do think there is some big bounce back potential just for like the whole Padres lineup in general, but yes, save but, that for another back day. To, back to Bichette for a second, because he had, he had over 300. Uh, and, he, and he played 135 games, so there was a little missed time there with an injury. Nothing significant, but a little bit that you have to factor in. Uh, so he ended up with 73 RBI and 69 runs scored. Again, not much of a base deal, only five of those. If you look at where he finished according to CBS's uh, Roto rating system, 
Bo Bichette was the 80th overall player while Francisco Lindor was the 10th overall mm-hmm. player. And because those, because I don't think those stolen bases are coming back for Bichette, who knows what happens with run and RBI, but you know, he's, he's not getting on base at the same rate Francisco Lindor is. I don't know. I, I can't tear them together. It is worth mentioning Bichette missed some time last year, 135 mm-hmm. games played after 159 in each of 2021 and 2022. So that will affect the overall ranking. But even if he played 24, 25 more games, was he going to jump 70 spots to where Lindor no, was? was? No, no. I, I think not. he has to be better than he was last season. And I'm, I'm, I'm expecting that. I think the, the expected stats were a little better than his actual production. The run and RBI numbers are just both weirdly low in a way that I, I think we probably, you know, it makes me think of Xander, or, um, Rafael Devers two years ago. Remember he only had 84 runs and 88 RBI in 2022, despite having a really good season. Otherwise he had basically the same season, arguably was a little worse in 2023. His OBP and slug were both worse and his batting average, but he drove in and scored you know, 18 more runs total than he had the year before. So that that's one where I just, I think there's going to be natural regression for Boba Shett where I, I think 90 runs, 90 RBI is a pretty reasonable projection, if not more. And I think it is fair for him to get back on track. I mean, he is, turns 26 years old in March. So, mm-hmm. you know, he's just now, I guess, kind of entering the prime of his career. I think the only pushback I would have, Chris, is that Blue Jays lineup is bad, man. <laughs> like the top three right now are right, you got Springer, Bichette, and Vlad, mm-hmm. but they weren't good last year. They've lost Matt Chapman. They haven't replaced him yet. I mean, they've yep. kind of been linked to Jorge Soler, but that hasn't happened. Even if they get Jorge Soler, is that enough? I don't know. I, I do have questions about the Blue Jays lineup here entering 2024. I think that's reasonable. Let's move on to the next best things at shortstop. Four names here. Jackson Holiday, arguably the top prospect in all of baseball with the Baltimore Orioles. Dansby Swanson, Tommy Edmond, and J.P. Crawford, who ranks one tier lower in a categories league. Why is that? Crawford uh, only provided two stolen bases, and he... Looks like a head-to-head points standout. He had a 380 on base percentage and had three fantasy points per game. This is J.P. Crawford. That was tied with Gunnar Henderson, C.J. Abrams, and Ellie De La Cruz. So, really good in that format. Takes one step down in a categories league. Scott, one name here I wanted to focus on was uh, Dansby Swanson. He's someone I actually kind of like in this tier. 10.9% barrel rate, ranked fifth along qualified shortstops. 77th percentile sprint speed. Now the Cubs have Craig Council as their manager, uh, where he was pretty aggressive during his time with the Brewers in terms of just letting the team run. So I think the steals could be up for Swanson. And based on the barrel rate, it's pretty good power for a shortstop too. You are muted, sir. I hadn't tried to say anything, (laughs) and you already noticed that. Um yeah, I don't know. I don't know that I actually put that much stock in this. Craig Council is, you know, going to turn the the Cubs into the eighty nine Cardinals narrative or whatever we have going on. Like Dansby Swanson, he he stole twenty bases once, right? Like he's just he's just not that aggressive on the bases. I, I don't I don't think going to Craig Council is going to change that really. Um, 
He's not much of a source of batting average. He's basically a bad batting average Xander Bogarts. And so that's why I have him tiered separately. But I'm really wrestling with this because like it's it's hard to make the shortstop tiers and the second base tiers jive with each other. I mean, I could reduce the shortstop near elite down to Bo Bichette, CJ Abrams, and O'Neill Cruz. But then, then I'm dropping Hassan Kim, Xander Bogarts, and Nico Horner into the same tier with uh, Jackson Holiday and Dansby Swanson, and that doesn't feel right either. So on. Uh, I don't know. Do I got to I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm going to do. It's a mess. Everything is ruined. <laughs> All right. Why well, do we even try? Um, I'm happy we're figuring that out here live on the podcast. Well, but- it's 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 you know, it, it needs to be done. It needs to be done. I feel like we did this last year with the Tears podcast, too. It's the only way to do it, man. We've got to talk it out. The fallback options, six names, Carlos Correa, Willie Adamas, Anthony Volpe, Tyro Estrada, Trevor Story, Vaughn Grissom. Scott, the answer's obvious. You just move Tyro Estrada up one tier in both positions, no, and everything's no. fixed. No, that, that's not <laughs> fixed. Because then you're going you're gonna to tier Tyro Estrada with Xander Bogarts. Is that what you're saying? No, he wasn't, he wasn't in the... <laughs> oh, we're talking about moving Bogarts down. Because oh. we got to get him out of the tier where, uh, where, where C.J. Abrams is. I don't know. I, I I rank Nico Horner ahead of Xander Bogart. So if I'm going to move Nico Horner down, like I'm saying, I'm doing it second base, then Xander Bogart's got to go with him, right? I guess so. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not so easy, is it? It's not so easy uh, not outside so, of my okay. Tyro Estrada suggestion. Uh, Tyro, you love Tyro Estrada, clearly. How valuable is a 260 hitting 15 homer, 25 steal, 70 run, 70 RBI guy, really? Because I, I just don't think that's that valuable maybe it's just me focusing on the name tommy edmund but it just feels like they shouldn't be in different tiers i think that's a reasonable way to put it yeah that is reasonable i do think i do think if any of them either of them is going to steal 40 bases instead of 25 it's tommy edmund but he did not show any inclination to take advantage of the new rules he kind of stayed just the same 30 steal guy he's always been instead of running a lot more like so much of the league did and and that's why he feels only as good as Tyro Estrada. I think there is more upside there, but maybe not enough that they deserve to be in separate tiers. That's kind of what we're kind of what we're working through right now. Back to the fallback options, Chris, uh, some clear bounce back candidates here, I think in, well, potential bounce back, not surely that they're going to bounce back, but uh, Correa, Willie Adamas and Trevor story. Correa still hit the ball hard. Plate discipline remains sound. He does have this lingering plantar fasciitis, Adamus's quality of contact and Babbitt plummeted last year. He's entering a contract year with the Brewers. And uh, Trevor Story gets, you know, his one of his first normal offseason, I guess, since he was signed. But I guess even that's kind of not a normal offseason. Uh, but he rushed back from elbow surgery last year. You know, do you have any faith in any of those names bouncing back here? I feel pretty good about Carlos Correa having a bounce back season. Now what, what that looks like at this point for Carlos Correa is a different question. I think it's probably more like a 280 batting average and it's probably more like 25 homers. If he stays healthy with decent, but not great run in RBI totals and, and absolutely no speed. I mean, he hasn't stolen a base since 2019. 
which is astounding. Um, so, like, is that a difference-making player? Probably not. But is it a player who has a lot of room for profit at his current price? I, I think it's more the latter. You know, he is – how far down the list do you have to go in ADP? He is <laughs> the number 25 shortstop behind the likes of Luis Renjifo, Von Grissom, uh, Ezekiel Tovar, who I like. But, yeah, I, I think Carlos Correa – a bounce back is a, a pretty good bet. All right. The last resorts tier at shortstop five names, Jordan Lawler, Ezekiel Tovar, Jeremy Pena, Tim Anderson, who remains a free agent and Javier Baez. We recently received an email from a listener named Samuel Isaac, who asked a very straightforward question. Why does Scott hate Ezekiel Tovar? You I, know, wondered, I wondered how, that, what name that was going to finish with. I thought it was headed for Jeremy Pena. But instead, it went to Ezekiel Tovar, which is why do you okay. hate all of these players, Scott? I, I mean that 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 question contains a premise that I don't agree with, so I don't know. I don't even know how to answer it. <laughs> all right, well, just talk about Ezekiel Tovar. Then. <laughs> uh, I, I why do you like him? I mean, he wasn't. I don't know that I like that him. useful last year. I know. Yeah. I, I know you don't, but I'm, I'm asking the emailer. Um, okay, so he hit 253, 15 homers, 11 steals in 153 games last year. And, you know, 695 OPS. Um, the underlying data, nothing really stands out as, wow, there's a lot of room for growth here. I, I'm not saying he'll be a 695 OPS guy for the rest of his career, but I, I don't. I don't see anything that's going to lead me to believe he's bound to take a leap this year other than the fact he plays half his games in Colorado, but that was also true last year when he was putting together the 695 OPS. I I will say if you're going to bet on someone, you know, this late in the draft, the 22-year-old, very recent top prospect who plays half his games at Coors Field is not a bad bet. Like, we, we've we've given, I don't know, I feel like Ryan McMahon, it took longer for people to lose faith in. Like, Ryan McMahon was still, like, a top 180 pick for, like, three years into his career. People kept giving him the benefit. Of that. He was better than Ezekiel Tovar was last year, obviously. But it's just to say that Tovar is still very young. 22 years old. He doesn't turn 23 until August. Um, there's power and there's speed. How much of either of them is a fair question. But yeah, I, I think if I was going to wait for a court for a middle infielder, Ezekiel Tovar is the kind of guy I would rather wait on. Um, but you could make an upside case for everyone in this tier. Jordan Lawler, an even better prospect than Tovar. Sure. Jeremy Pena, you know, everybody loved him just a year ago. Not me so much, but a lot of Yeah, that's did. that's kind of my thing is like I I didn't I didn't like him last year. <laughs> Tim Anderson, of course, is just he's just got a sign. You know, that that's the thing for me is like once Tim Anderson signs, I I'm going to be trying to draft him a lot. And Javier Baez, I'm sure you could still find some believers for for him too. So you know, I think any of these are fine as a middle infield option in deeper mm-hmm. roto leagues, like your 15 teamers. But I'm not, I'm not predicting a breakout or bounce. I'm not going as far as to predict a breakout or bounce back season for any of them. Even though you could, 
it's not the craziest thing to believe in. And lastly, the leftovers. Eight names here at shortstop. Zach Neto, Mason Wynn, Luis Renjifo, Ezekiel Duran, Orlando Arcia, Geraldo Perdomo, John Birdie, Ahmed Rosario, and Bryce Terang. Wanted to give a quick shout out to Zach Neto, who was on my short list when I was thinking of uh, sleepers to write up for this year. He hit nine homers, five steals in 84 games as a rookie. Non-zero chance he can go 2010 in uh, 2024. A god in hit by pitch leagues. <laughs> uh, eight, eight, <laughs> you know I love that. Eight point eight percent barrel rate for Zach Neto. That was uh, that would have ranked top twelve among qualified shortstops. Former thirteenth overall pick. He uh, got rushed to the bigs. There's some upside here, Scotty. You don't sleep on Zach. I mean, Neto. he was a top one hundred prospect last year. I'm not necessarily disagreeing, but like, it's it's a blind faith sort of pick. I feel like same as. Tovar. Somebody asked in the chat, "Is wasn't Tovar better in the second half? No, he was worse. All right. Well, we answered your question, Samuel Isaac, or at least we tried. We're going to wrap there. For Scott and Chris, I am Frank. Thanks, as always, for tuning in to Fantasy Baseball today. Please make sure to follow and leave a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify, and we'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.